Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez. Here hanging out with me as usual is Aaron Keller. And we also have Endow Staff Waterfowl Specialist Russell Wolstenhume and Chris Nikolai with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. So welcome both of you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yep. Good morning. It's always good to have both of you. And the reason we have you here is there are a lot of opportunities for volunteers coming up um, for some projects involving ducks, I guess I could say. Yep. R- right. We're getting into the our annual cycle for duck banding. There's lots of ducks that, that uh, we work with. Um, a big part of that is Chris's work with the Wood Duck Project. Uh, Chris, do you want to give us a brief overview of what that's about? Sure. So, yeah, so wood ducks are a not very common species in Nevada, but there's a a small chunk of them that live in in the Fallon area. And back in 2003, the old uh, retired biologist from Stillwater, Bill Henry, approached me to come out and get a wood duck project started. And I'm like, yeah, I've never seen a wood duck in the three years I've, two years I'd been here at that point. And I looked it up. Sure enough, only 14 had ever been banded in Nevada before that. Wow. And that first day Bill and I went out, I think we banded 13. And uh, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. That and, is. Uh, yeah, we started going nuts with that project. And this will be the 17th year that we've been working on wood ducks out in Fallon. And what kind of information are you getting since doing this that you guys weren't getting before? Yeah, well, what's... You know, at first we were kind of just messing around. You know, I've been working in Alaska. I was still going up there, but I needed to work in the field more and started doing this and doing that. Uh, Another retired guy from Wildlife Services, USDA, had put up a lot of boxes back in 91, and they were still up. So we were talking with him and finding them and uh, getting, you know, finding out all the boxes that were already installed, cleaning them out. They hadn't been cleaned in over a decade getting them mapped and sure enough you know they're wood ducks using them and then that same guy steve davis uh, was up for banding catching birds you know his whole career was catching animals so he's really good at it and he started helping us catch wood ducks you know just banding them with traps and stuff and we started seeing some things that were really different and quickly we realized uh you know working out in the oasis of nevada is that we were also studying ducks in a fishbowl kind of thing. They weren't moving much. They were kind of just this unique population surrounded by the 40-mile desert and other habitats that weren't all that great. And, uh, yeah, we started coming up with ideas of what we could learn about wood ducks. So it's probably the, the most unique population of ducks I'm aware of in North America, except for a couple of the eiders. Okay. Wow. So just this really neat... nearly closed system where we can really look at them in depth so there's kind of two parts to this there's the wood duck boxes and then the actual banding is that what i'm getting yeah that's what's really cool too you know you think of waterfowl ducks in general they migrate Mm -hmm. which means if you live up north you get them in the summer if you live down south you get them in the winter and there's not a lot of places where you get both 
you know, there's exceptions, especially mm-hmm. out west. In the Pacific Flyway, almost all our places have ducks year-round. Um, but you think eastern places where more waterfowl research has occurred, it's hard to study birds year-round because they leave, you know, or they come, or they mix with other birds, and it gets really confusing. You know, like I've I've banded ducks all over North America, and getting recaptures is relatively rare. That's when you catch a duck that's already been banded. Where here, you can keep chasing the same population, and, you know, we get on them. Our annual cycle starts with breeding, so we'll start, let's say, when the first egg's laid, and all of a sudden they start hatching. So now you got a whole bunch of birds that don't have bands, and you keep catching them with rocket nets and, you know, pulling them out of nest boxes and these float traps we have. And by the time that annual cycle starts again, we've had some years where 95% of the wood ducks in Fallon are already banded. And I don't know any other population like that. And what's neat there, too, is we're catching up on the kids. We, We catch almost all of them by the time they're old enough to breed. So it's rare that we catch an adult that's not banded, if Hmm. that makes sense. So, yeah, it's really different. I've never been anywhere other than maybe some, not even my graduate work on Brant, that a lot of them are banded. This this surpasses that effort as well. Not the effort, but the the result. Mm -hmm. Wow. So one of the coolest things about Chris's Wood Duck Project over the years has been his involvement with the community and the public. So he's brought out literally thousands of volunteers to help with these projects, with, with both checking the wood duck boxes and the banding process. There have been school kids out there. There's been families out there. There's been politicians out there, wildlife commissioners out there, students from the university. I mean, it's, it has been absolutely amazing, and Chris has been a, a fantastic champion of involving the community and getting volunteers out there. And you just sent me pictures the other day, which we posted on our Facebook and on Instagram, and it looks so fun. And I know your daughters are in a lot of the pictures, and it looks like they're having fun. So it's definitely a great volunteer opportunity for families who are looking to get out there. No, I mean, it's super fun. I mean, like I said, I got it started just because this is what I like. One of the things I really like to do is just learn about wildlife here, and I'm definitely focused on waterfowl, but... Yeah, I mean, I just have, especially the nest searches, we've got 420 boxes up in the Fallon area. We like to check them about every week, if not every other week, and um, that's a big effort. And for me to do it by myself would probably be five days a week. That's all I did. So, yeah, if we can get a lot of volunteers out, you know, we've made it really easy. We've got... uh, basically meet up with people about eight eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday we always do weekends because people work and have to go to school and stuff and we meet up uh, on the west side of Fallon so that when people are done it's on their way home to drop off all the equipment they give them rather than running around at the end of the day and yeah we've got uh, little three ring binders that on the outside has the property owner's name everything we do is on private lands all along the Carson River and uh, we have a map that gets you to the property, and then on the other side of Three Wing Binder has the map of the property where all the boxes are, and on the outside, it has how many boxes are on that property. You know, there's some properties with three boxes, there's one property with 54, and everything in between. So everyone meets up, we give them the big spiel. We've got wood shavings to put in there, we've got step ladders, 
and then these maps and data books with some photographs in there because we find some other birds in the nest so that people can figure out what they have and yeah it's a really neat chance for people to come out spend the day hiking around and looking for birds and you could sign up by going to i know we have it on endow.org if you go to volunteer opportunities and i believe you're the contact yep. so if people just reach out to you well um, sign up on your I, I love how you guys have set this up i mean it's so nice watching everything come together but yeah i mean here's i'm working for fish and wildlife service partnering with state agency endow and you guys are so proactive on these things and with this ability to sign up in the way you guys have set it up yeah get on that link sign up that gets you an endow system it allows you to keep track of hours as you're there which helps develop a match for future projects under Pittman robertson fund so it's a win-win for everybody and the way you guys set it up is when someone signs up on that page i get an automatic email and then i'll go back old school and put you on my email list and as we get rolling, I'll just do a blast. You know, hey, this Saturday's going to do it. You know, please let me let me know if if you can come so I can do a head count and I'll let everybody know when new exciting things are going to happen. Because Russell and I are involved with catching game migratory game birds basically from now till the end of September. So right now we have this wood duck project that's about to start. But as we were saying before we started the show, there's a ton of opportunities coming up and a ton of projects that you guys have going on right you know there's lots of things going on chris's work goes on from you know with the wood duck boxes now and then later on it's just about trapping the birds off of the river system out there the department starting in mid-july and through the latter part of september we do our annual mallard banding so we have swimming traps out at places like Stillwater and and some private clubs and some locations where we're we're trapping mallards and banding them and that goes on through the the heat of the summer as it were on a daily basis mm-hmm. or operate those traps and i i typically have a couple of technicians that work on those but you know there's always always work to be done so i'm sure they'd always appreciate some help if people are interested in doing that as well Awesome. Well, we have a lot more to get into, but we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Before the break, we were talking to Chris Nikolai with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services and Russell Wolstenhume. Gosh, one of these days, I'll get your name one, right. One day. One day. <laughs> um, about this upcoming wood duck project. But we were saying there's a ton of volunteer opportunities coming up involving ducks. And part of that is duck banding. And we really haven't got into what duck banding is. So one of you want to take it away? Well, Chris, I mean, feel free to jump in any time. So whenever we handle waterfowl, um, each bird gets a, a metal U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service identification band put on it. And that allows us to identify that individual bird, where it was captured, where it was banded, the, the date that it was banded. And that information is very, very useful for years to come. 
um, as far as as garnering information about these birds and where they're migrating to and you know, where they're spending their time. Where you know, it's just there's a lot of different information, and Chris has a lot more that he can probably add to that on on why we do this. But it's it's a really really kind of a cool thing, and I don't know of any other process by which animals are marked that that becomes an international thing because there's birds being being returned from Canada where they're also banded within United States and Mexico. I've I've had birds that we've banded out of our Endel program that have shown up in all of those locations across mm-hmm. the US. I had a report that just this week of the canvas back banded three or four years ago that was that was found in Texas. So you see that, you know, I've had them come out of out of Canada before, out of Mexico. So these band returns are, are really cool on the information you can get from it. But it's just an individual identification marker that we put on each of these birds. Right. And so for anybody listening, if you've ever been to like a city park or a town park and you've seen a goose or a duck with the little metal band on their leg. Right. That's what you're talking about. Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. And even those bands, you know, people can report those as well. It's not just for hunters. You know, there's a lot of non-game birds banded you know i'm hearing a lot of people wildlife services has been banding red-tailed hawks and i'm seeing people putting pictures up on burning nevada facebook pages and stuff like that Uh, you know there's pelicans getting banded in utah um all kinds of stuff but yeah if you see a goose at uh at the park you can get them to walk one way get them to walk the other way and i can usually get two photographs and get the whole band number because it's like a license plate it's a unique number we don't repeat them, and yeah, you can get uh, on the www.reportband.gov site and report those, and you'll get a certificate really? that gives you all the information that Russell was mentioning, you know, when it was banded, where, how old it was, etc. Right. So, so anyone so, could look at this information. Right, anyone. I had a report this week also of a bird watcher that, that recorded the band number. He reported it. And so that's the cool part, like Chris said. That individual that reports the band gets all the information so that they can see where the bird came from and when it was banded and in a sense of how old that bird is. Yeah. Now, I know people that have a room like this, the whole thing's covered with band certificates. You know, they think it's pretty cool, you know, either hunting them or... That is cool. That's an idea. There's a lot of people that just go reciting bands. We've got, especially when it's big markers, you know, like like Canada geese with neck collars that we used to use. Like the little tarsal bands that uh, I put on the wood ducks, the plastic bands. I've gotten maybe 20 recites of those. You know, we got one, actually. One of our wood ducks got recited, not captured, in a city park in Calgary. That's the farthest we've had. One of our wood ducks is actually not from a hunter. It's from someone that actually read the band and reported it. Yeah, we might have to brainstorm. That could be a cool citizen science type project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's just wood ducks are hard to read um and a lot of people report these and it is this is i would say you bring up citizen science waterfowl or bird bands are probably the original citizen science project and probably the largest ever created and you think about it hunters are reporting most hunters report their bands for free for us right and we've been doing this since the 30s as russell mentioned you know, this is stuff we're doing now that we'll use in the future, but we're using analyses now from bands from the 30s till now. I mean, we've done not very many projects have analyzed those big-time data sets, but I've been involved with some with Brant, with Redheads, with SCOP, 
Uh, people are looking at pintails. We use mallard data every year to set our seasons and stuff. So this is all stuff we do every year, as Russell mentioned, for harvest management. We can't do we can't open up seasons without information. So this is a, the biggest citizen science effort I'm probably aware of. And this is how you're able to get all that information in for the order most part. to open seasons. Yep. So it's huge. Yeah, we probably north, and I don't know, I should have prepared for the numbers more, but I wouldn't be surprised if we banned 250,000, no, more than that, 800,000 game birds a year, and we probably get 30,000 shot and reported by hunters throughout the continent. Right. And I'm probably off on those numbers. I didn't prepare <laughs> so, for that. It's a very it's a rough estimate. <laughs> in, in meetings a couple of weeks ago, we were giving a a banding overview for the state of Nevada, Chris and I, and Chris came up with a number of just of just um, huntable birds that were banded in the last year, and it was right around four thousand birds just in Nevada were banded, and it doesn't count um, the non-game birds. The department bans two to three thousand non-game birds annually in in the state, as well as private researchers, universities that are that are banding non-game species as well. Yep, so it's really cool. You know, you go back way back when, and the easiest thing we do with banding data is make maps. Like Russell mentioned, a canvasback that moved to Texas. But, you know, we're set up in these administrative flyways. We're in the Pacific Flyway. There's a central flyway, Mississippi Atlantic. Those areas were developed because people realize oh birds basically in north america fly north and south for migration so we could set up these things to group them you know there's similar things happening um but that was that's the easiest thing to do and that's something we've done for 80 years now is make maps but then we can start looking at you know how long birds are living you know what proportion of them live from one year to the next that's what waterfowl regs are have been based on for a long time is the idea that regulations help keep a certain number of birds alive to breed next year. Okay, so those analyses have changed a lot. Then we talked on the last podcast, too, that there's other ways to ban birds, like we were mentioning with the tarsal bands and stuff, or the Brant project I worked on in the wood ducks. We're not just making maps and seeing how long they live, but we've also got a lot of neat measurements unique to that individual. Did they breed this year or not? You know, this wood duck hen, did we banded her in 2015 in a nest box, but we didn't find her in one in 2016, but in 2017 we did. So we know what she did. We know how many eggs she laid. And with other birds, you know, we know who mated with who. Some of these brant, and we've got pair bonds that the same pairs have nested with each other for over 20 years. You know, or that crazy albatross in Midway Island. What was it this year? 60th year? 60th year, yeah. 60th year. She's been laying eggs. Yeah. So something that's really cool for us. So, you know, Chris and I could go on for for probably hours, especially Chris, about... (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm picking that up. (laughs) about, About banding because there's so much cool stuff to a biologist. There's so much information. But for the for the average person, for the birder that's interested, you can go to the to the USGS webpage and find the bird banding section. And in there, there's a really cool section that just the average person can go and say, "What's the longest like nesting bird, the albatross that Chris talked about?" That data is on that page. What's the oldest reported bird by species? 
from these from this band data, and it's all right there for the public to look at if you have a curiosity of you know what's going on with birds out there. And it's a really cool site, and it's easy to find. Yeah, and it's really neat. I mean, like our late season snow goose hunts are going on right now, and people might get a snow goose that has a band that was put on in Russia. Right. You know, we caught a pintail at Carson Lake twelve years ago that was banded twelve years prior in in Tokyo, Japan. You know, so it's really neat. And like Russell said, right. the bird banding lab puts together, you know, a lot of general stuff, not nerdy mm-hmm. science stuff, but just the basics. You know, how long they live, how many have been banded, how many have been shot. Right. It's, it's really cool data, and it's fun for people to go look at that have an interest in what's going on with wildlife. You know, um, something else about about this opportunity that we're talking about today with coming out and helping with banding and volunteering is that this is something that is an amazing thing that typically is what biologists are out doing, and it's a chance for the public to come out and get their hands dirty and actually handle wildlife. This isn't coming out and observing as something wildlife related is going on. This is coming out, holding ducks, you know, doing the work, and you actually get to have hands-on experience with wildlife, and it's something that you're going to tell your kids and your grandkids about because it's just, it's that cool. Or it I'm, might even be a bird that you shoot next season that you can look it up. It's like, that was the night I went out yeah. and helped. Right. So anybody with families can, we have some family-oriented days as well, right? Yeah. And actually, you know, I've gotten funding over the years for a lot of reasons. Endow's probably been, or hands down, has been the biggest provider of funding for the Wood Duck Project. But we've, I've gotten awards for connecting people with nature and stuff with the Fish and Wildlife Service and this year, I received the bulk of the money from Fish and Wildlife Service, and we want to make an effort to, to get people out there. You know, they're learning about private lands management and the partnerships we've developed with these private landowners, but then also just helping more people get involved with wildlife, getting right. outside. Which I right. think that that is cool. One of the coolest parts, and we advertise it all the time, is get out volunteer but because you're doing what the department of wildlife does you're, right you're right. assisting us with our you know and, and back to what to what you said is that you know with families i've had my kids out there helping with this chris's girls grew up with this they're right. they're probably some of the best in the, in the country now for doing this work <laughs> you know but there's lots of families out there there's lots of opportunity to bring your kids out to let them get hands-on experience and to see these birds at first hand and to handle them mm-hmm. and to really learn a lot and have an experience that they will remember. Yep. And then I just want to make it clear. So we have the Wood Duck Project, which is looking for checking bird boxes. And that's posted on that endow.org volunteer opportunities. You could sign up for that there. And then duck banding is a whole separate project we have posted on there. And if you sign up for either of those, Chris, you said you have an email list. Well, you'll constantly send updates about yeah, probably once a week upcoming through volunteer. September. I'll be letting people know on June and July are kind of slow, but from now till June. And then once July rolls up, will be our, our busy times. And yeah, it's, we've got it super family friendly. I mean, the worst that might happen to you is you get wet. You might get a scratch from a duck toenail, or you might get pooped on by a duck. Right. You know, we're not, this isn't, you know, we're not getting kicked by an animal with hooves. You're not in a helicopter shooting net guns. This is really awesome entry level, touching a wild critter for the first time. And if any of those things happen, then you have a story to tell, right. too. I did say you would get your hands dirty. Right. You did. I actually, I went to... 
the goose banding we the goose, did the goose roundup the goose roundup right. and that was fun in itself so right right and my kids were out there that day they were and they and, were carrying and, around and geese. carrying i mean you think about when you go to the parks and those big geese that you know chase people around my kids eight and ten years old were carrying full-grown canada geese they were better than ar- i was around in the trailers you know it's it's, it's kind of fun yeah, it's definitely fun. So head to endow.org, volunteer opportunities, and you could get signed up through Chris. So thank you both for being here. Yeah, Always thanks, a pleasure. Guys. Yep. No, thanks for what you guys do. It's good stuff. Nice. And thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.